Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 262nd edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. And not a tunnel screen across the Harpeth River from me tonight, but instead down in the Atlanta, Georgia, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What up, what up, Matt? Uh, glad to be here. I'm in the Eastern time zone, so it's really late for me, but that's okay because uh, by nature, I'm a night owl, so I'm good to go. Excited to talk about some FCS football and uh, let's uh, let's get this thing rolling, man. We we in Gwinnett County, Cobb County. What county are we in right now? I'm in Gwinnett. You're in Gwinnett. Okay. I'm in Buford, Georgia. Buford, Georgia, folks. You guys can uh, find Coach down there for a day or two. Home of the Buford Wolves. All right. Well, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man whose favorite minor league mascot is the Trash Panda. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Ooh, a little minor league baseball uh, reference right there. Yeah, we found out that our beloved Mobile Bay Bay Bears or whatever the heck they are. I, I could never tell if there was two bays in that or not. If it was I just, just Mobile assumed Bay that Bay there was two but, bays uh, in there. Yeah, they, evidently they moved a couple years ago and we missed that memo. Uh, but they're now the Trash Pandas, which was a delightful thing to learn. Yeah, and it's... Uh... Where are they? I forget, I forget what town. They're in a different town in Alabama now. They're in Madison, Alabama. Madison, Alabama. They're the Madison Trash Pandas. So, oh, but they go by the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Oh, Rockets. I'm sorry. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. Good good old four names right there. Yeah, why not? It's not. It's nothing like the Montgomery Biscuits. <laughs> we in the South, we, we know how to name teams now. I mean, I feel like the... At least it's not the, the Tigers or the Eagles. I feel like the Trash Pandas would eat up those biscuits real quick. Oh, in a heartbeat. So in a heartbeat. Speaking yeah. of baseball, Matt, did you hear the Oakland A's are looking to looking to relocate? Yeah, to Las Vegas. Would you become an A's fan if they if they moved to Nashville? Mm-mm. I'm braced for life, man. There there is nothing that that is going to get me that is going to get me off that. So, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say it's one of the two professional sports teams I genuinely well, two. It's one of the two. American professional sports teams I genuinely care about. What about like, a uh, Astros level scandal? Man, if we if we win the World Series, man, flags fly forever, and MLB has <laughs> show, shown that they will not punish that. So uh, I'm, you know what? That would not hey, that not, it, might it even heighten my say, fandom. It doesn't say 2017 World Champions, and we stole and we stole signs. And There's not an asterisk there. So it just says World Series champs. That's all it okay. says. They got the rings. If you ain't gonna punish it, it ain't a crime. Yeah. So, you know, I, I yeah, I like I said, like I think there's like there are two professional sports teams I like genuinely care about: the Buffalo Bills, obviously, and the Atlanta Braves. So, at least in America, I mean, I'll you know, obviously Marseille. Uh, French mm-hmm. soccer is the the third professional sports team I really care about, and I say that while I'm wearing a Los Angeles Clippers shirt. That's sort of like the half team I care. You're kind about. of like an NBA, just half assed. I just love the NBA. I, I like the Clippers because I had season tickets there when I lived in LA. But you know, it's 
I, I was I was also I was just there for really for DeAndre Jordan, who's like my NBA spirit animal. I'm actually wearing a DeAndre. You guys can't see it here on the podcast. Obviously, this is a audio medium. TV, I'm wearing it. a DeAndre Jordan uh, jersey at the moment. So, um, yeah, you know that. You I mean, that, on the that, that's no, no, I hate Trey Young. I hate Trey Young. He's probably my least favorite NBA player. So I am not I'm not about to do that. If I'm getting on any bandwagon in the NBA, it's going to be the Grizzlies because I live in Tennessee and John Morant is the dude. Anyways, no. You speaking of the Grizzlies and the Hawks, are the who's closer to you? Because Tennessee's a long ass state. Memphis is, is a Memphis little closer. Two, yeah, it's a little over two hours. Atlanta's four hours. So Memphis no, but like, what, no, you missed a wild card. The Hornets. Oh, that's that's way, 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 way that's far away. I think actually the I think the team that would compete with in, in terms of proximity might be uh the Pacers, if anyone. The so Pacers, then, the Hawks, and the Grizzlies are all kind of like the same. It's like a triangle, team. yeah. But Memphis is definitely the closest to Nashville out of all those places. Six and a half from Nashville to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Nashville to Indianapolis. Let's see what we got. About four hours, four and a half hours. Four, four, four hours, 20 minutes. There yep. we go. It's okay. 180 oh, yeah. miles from Nashville to Memphis. So um, you're looking at uh, two right and a half, two and a half, three. To, if, mm-hmm. if Corey's driving, it's two. Uh, if one of no, our not lately, if I'm driving, it's like three and a half. Oh, <laughs> I'm a grandma now because <laughs> I got my head up my ass. So, yeah, Atlanta's four. Well, with Corey driving now, it's apparently five and a half. Um, and well, with Chattanooga, you factor in Chattanooga traffic getting to Atlanta, it's like 10. So, I drive in the middle of the night. That's why I drive in the middle of the night. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, uh, we're gonna work. College football podcast, right? Just want to double check. I mean, nominally, this is the illegal motion NBA podcast. You know? <laughs> it's the illegal defense <laughs> we, we NBA podcast. We're, we're the uh, three seconds in the paint. three second violation. Three, we're the three second violation. I've always three, been more three and a key. <laughs> I've always been more of a more fascinated by the the eight seconds backcourt violation. So, hmm. anyhow, um, speaking of the NBA, if you guys like to bet on the NBA, do you know where the best place to do that is, Coach? Let me guess. BetOnline.ag. How'd you know? Ooh, I'm just a lucky guesser. I mean, we are very fortunate that they are our presenting sponsor. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the sports action, especially NBA playoffs are right around the corner. Playing games are starting like a week, week and a half from right now. So that'll be fun. Looks like it'll be LeBron Steph in the playoff game, in the play-in game, I should say. Play-in? Yeah. <laughs> so explain that to me now. What's this all about? Okay, so here's how it goes. Well, they play to win to, to get <laughs> in the game. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Herm. We're, we're all. We're no, here. the way it actually works is that uh, at the end of the season, the team in seventh place and team in eighth place play each other. The winner gets to be the seventh seed. The loser of that game plays the winner of a game between the ninth seed and the 10th seed. And the winner of that subsequent game is the eighth seed. Oh, okay. okay. So, right, make a little more sense. It's like seven and eight. Why would you play seven and eight? Yes, play seven eight? plays eight. The winner of that game becomes the seventh seed. The loser of that game 
then plays the winner of the game between the nine seed and the ten seed, and this happens in Who, each conference. Who's, who's the one seed in the West? Uh, Utah. But the Suns might catch them. Uh, it's a pretty outside shot at this point. They would have to win out, and Utah would have to lose out, I think. But Jazz have a pretty significant injury, right? Mm, What's I his mean, name? Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell yeah, Donovan Mitchell is out, but they still play pretty well without him. They've got a great defense, and they've got my... Uh, they they have one of my current favorite players in the NBA, Joe Ingles. Uh, hmm. the, somebody, uh, somebody hand-checked him so he's out for the season. Yeah, Joe Ingles is... Uh, Joe Ingles looks like he could be just like he looks like a suburban dad, which just makes me happy. So he's got the Mac. He's the Mac Jones. Of the I mean, NBA. he's got he no, but he, he's got, he, he's. I mean, yeah, but he's got the, like the the receding the severely receding hairline. Well, yeah, I mean, Mac Jones ain't far. He's a banana peel away from a really bad receding. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. So speaking so, of basketball, I played some pickup basketball at school yesterday. Against students? Against students, yeah. How'd that against go? Students. Well, they, they got – I indoctrinated them into the Pat Riley philosophy of defense. <laughs> Coming to paint, you're going down. Coach, coach, did you do your best uh, Duke basketball impression start slapping the floor? <laughs> no, I did my best Bill Lambeer. Oh, Sorry. so you were, stepping on, you were stepping on feet left and right. Oh, hell yeah. Smacking hands, hacking arms, mm-hmm. knocking no, people down. No blood, no foul. No blood, no foul. See, I, I wasn't proctoring. I had like the one group of juniors that actually showed up like, when they were told not to, and <laughs> they were about to kill each other in the room. Right? They're going great. They're going stir crazy. So I said, "Hey, why not take them down to the gym?" So I took them down to the gym. Got kicked out. Principal said, "No, nah, I can't be in the gym." And then I think he realized uh, that. They were gonna kill each other, so they found us a gym, and then I was able to start killing them. Not literally, of course. Yeah, I, I mean, coach, as a fellow high school t- teacher, begs the question. I mean, we're, we see these kids all the time. Why is there not recess as a high schooler? Yeah, I know that. I mean, seriously, that would be like that. We could do a whole show about that. <laughs> why? Why recess? Like, because there's some plans that we have at Hillwood that we're building like outdoor recreational places for like kids to go during lunch, uh, like a sand volleyball. Uh, we're going to turn one of like the parking squares into a basketball court, outdoor basketball court. Uh, we're going to have some things like that for, for kids to do during, like, instead of just having to like cram in the lunchroom and just sit in the lunchroom for 30 minutes, they can go outside and play basketball. Several years ago, I had a study hall that was on my schedule. I had to, like, just sit in the room, take attendance for study hall. It was eighth period. So the Friday study hall, second the bell rings, boom, we're off to the gym. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't blame you one bit. I mean, why not? If if the PE teachers are cool with it, take the bus to the gym, man, let them. Just give them a ball, get out of their way, let them play, man. It's you know, or do like I do and just foul the crap out of everybody. My <laughs> high school, my high school PE teacher got busted for shoplifting ladies' underwear from Kmart. I think the most surprising thing about that is he found a open Kmart somewhere in the United States. I mean, it was two thousand and one, so still, it's, it's <laughs> Kmart. Kmart. It's the Kmart. Uh, Kmart in West Lebanon, New Hampshire. Mm. He was also the golf coach. 
Maybe. You know what? I think that they're probably much more comfortable on the on. Uh, I, I think that the the ladies' underwear are much more comfortable when you're out on the links. You know, you don't get the same chafage from walking around. <laughs> no. Not. Well, I mean, you can also bet on golf over at BetOnline.ag. <laughs> yeah, why not talk about? <laughs> are they are they signing <laughs> off on this <laughs> on this copy that you come up with? They had you, well, even if they aren't, you can still head on over to the website <laughs> at BetOnline.ag or are use the mobile them? app to sign up today at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Can we bet on which hole Matt would chafe? Chafe. Uh, bye. Uh, oh, I, I've, I've, I've been with Matt. I know how sweaty he gets. I mean, we're, we're talking about probably the first fairway. Yeah, Josh and I have <laughs> golfed together multiple times, and it Matt, is not a pretty sight. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm a sweaty bastard too. I know. Um, I mean, well, Josh, the, the thing the thing is, you know, the more strokes you have, the more you know cracks mm -hmm. you've had the more bites at the apple you've had so i gotta say i thoroughly enjoy myself every time i golf because you know i'm using about 150 swings <laughs> you're getting the workout <laughs> that's just on the front not <laughs> i think josh and i like when we i think josh and i would go out and combine for darn near 300 strokes matt if we went golfing tomorrow i would I would tell you on the first tee, hey, let's just do let's just do some best ball. Oh yeah, between the two of us for sure, absolutely. Yeah. And even when that happened, we, we would still we, we, we'd still be at minimum double bogeying every. Ooh, ball. here here's an idea, Matt. We play best ball. Whoever's ball was worse, they have to take a drink. So we make it into a drinking game golf combo. I like it. I'm here for it. Coach you in. I'm in. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds like a that sounds like a good one. The coach is gonna smoke us. So. Yeah. I, no, but but if I mean, but I if, might start hitting bad shots on purpose. Yeah, so I, I, was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say he's not gonna get to have any drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might hit a few in the water so I can shotgun. <laughs> yeah, but the problem with me is if I if I were trying to do that, if I were trying to hit in the water, that would, that would be like the one time I hit a good shot. <laughs> Stick it close. So. I'm, I'm uh, like super competitive when it comes to golf, man. I, I like. I know. I've been to the driving <laughs> range with you, but you know, uh, speaking about hitting in the drink, I might be having a Nelson Mandela fact moment where I might just be misremembering this. Maybe it's something else that I'm just confusing the memories. But I, I swear to God, I remember uh, my brother, who's a huge golf fan, watching the Golf Channel and like watching some highlights of some random tournament. And uh, old golfer Craig Stadler mm. was having himself just an awful round. He's having like a terrible round. He totally checked out. And he walks up to his ball in the middle of the rough, like 150 yards away from the green. Doesn't even attempt to hit it towards the green. He literally just stands next to his ball and one-handedly chips it into the water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, walruses are aquatic animals, so you never know. That, yeah, that sounds about like Mr. Stadler. <clears throat> All right, gents. Well, we have to take a bit of a uh, take this down to a bit of a more somber note. Uh, we got some pretty tragic news today. Awful uh, news. Yeah. Just awful. one yes. of the great and most prolific players of the 2000s. Someone. Josh, you and I watched together a ton when we were in college because we were living together through most of this. 
um, Hawaii quarterback Colt Brennan passed away at 37 years young. Um, obviously, you guys remember him lighting up the whack under June Jones in you know mid 2000s, 2005 through 2007. His stats are still yeah. just mind-boggling. He only played three seasons, yet in those three seasons, he amassed more than 14,000 passing yards, 131 touchdowns, and completed more than 70% of his passes. His single-season touchdown mark of 58, which he accomplished during that 2006 year, where he just put up some of the most ridiculous numbers of all time, like 5,800 passing yards. That stood as the single season uh, passing touchdown mark until Joe Burrow uh, beat it uh, last season, or I guess two seasons ago now. But Burrow needed more games to do so. <sighs> Nonetheless, his post college career did not go as planned. Uh, he was, I believe, drafted by the Washington, then Redskins. In like very late sixth, seventh round, something like that. Never played in, uh, never played NFL because after his rookie year where he didn't play, he was in a car accident that left him not debilitated, but he was never quite the same. He tried to, you know, catch on in the CFL and the Arena League, and it just never really took for him. And after that car accident, he struggled with addiction uh, to painkillers, as so many Americans do. And even even recently, he had been trying, apparently, this is according to the news release, had been trying to get into a rehab facility and they didn't have enough beds because there are so many people currently undergoing opioid addiction. And he took something laced with fentanyl and he passed. And it's just, it's very sobering to think about. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he was playing college football while we were in college, and he was one of the most notable players in the country, Coach. I know you saw him up close and, you know, in, in person in that Sugar Bowl mm -hmm. uh, when, where they played Georgia when they came in undefeated. And even though they lost the game, he was, you know, he still had a, a pretty remarkable showing. Yeah, he did. I mean, I think once he got settled in uh, against Georgia's defense, he was able to move the ball a little bit. Um, unfortunately, in that game, he's most known for getting destroyed by Mark, getting a soul taken by Marcus Howard and uh, a fumble that was recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. Um, that kind of marred what I thought was a really good game, a really good showing for him um, in, in, the, in that Sugar Bowl. And I was sitting front row uh, when that hit happened. And it, I mean, I felt it in the stands. But, you know, you, he was so exciting to watch. And, you know, even though that Georgia was playing Hawaii and I was kind of disappointed that we weren't playing USC that year uh, because I, I thought that would have been probably a better game than USC Illinois uh, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I, I was excited to see, OK, what's this Hawaii team going to bring to the table? What's Colt Brennan going to look like? I, I watched his. Yeah, I, I would. Some, you know, in college, I was more I was even more of a night owl than I am now. Now I watch now I watch the uh, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, through the back of my eyelids, but uh, <laughs> you know, watching Colt Brennan was exciting because I mean, it's just, I you know, college football was was transitioning from like more of run oriented to what you see today with a lot of air raid and run and shoot. 
And Colt Brennan was kind of like on the forefront of that pass happy dominant world of college football. The SEC was still very much I formation pound the rock. Big Ten was definitely that. Uh, Pac 12 was kind of moving in that direction. Uh, the Big 12, you had the bottom teams that were starting to move that direction. Yeah, I mean, you still had you had you know those Texas Tech teams under the Pirate yeah. that were doing that. But I mean, June Jones and those teams. I mean, we think you know right before Cole Brennan, we had Timmy Chang. Mm-hmm. Um, who was doing some of the same things, but Josh, like, you know, you and I had many a late night in Madison, uh, watching, you know, watching those whack games, whether it was, you know, Hawaii versus San Jose state or Boise state or, um, like midnight Eastern Nevada. Time. Exactly. And those were, you know, you know, uh, you and I usually, usually had a, a couple of adult beverages at this point, but you know, they were, it was always fun just to sit there and just be like, how are so how many so many how are so many guys so open? And he had he had a connection with I don't know if you guys remember the receiver Davon Bess, who played Davon Bess, yeah, played for Miami. Oh my gosh, played those the, those uh, two had a mind meld, um, yeah. and it, it it was something to watch. But man, just uh, Josh, you have any any thoughts here on uh, on Colt Brennan? Yeah, I mean, it's just. It's just so sad. Um, it, it really hit home for me. Um, my, uh, I've got an uncle who, uh, when I was in junior high, uh, passed away. And he was kind of from the very first onset of kind of this opioid epidemic that our country's been been going through. He Similar to Cole Brennan, he was in a car accident uh, as a part of his treatment, was prescribed these very, very addicting opioids and and became an addict that struggled with that. And uh, in an act of desperation, uh, my uncle broke into a, uh, a business to try and that had a pharmacy to try and get some pills and um went to jail and uh while in jail um ultimately committed suicide and you know reading about colt's life after his time at hawaii just you know my family went through it his family's going through it um countless families across this country are going through it it's 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 very very sobering you hope that uh you know, Colt's life can take on a uh, a bigger meaning here as, you know, people uh, in that Hawaii community try and, uh, you know, reconcile things. Um, you know, when, when I heard about his passing, I was looking back on his numbers. Matt, you mentioned his 58 touchdown season. That entire year, um, his 06 year is just, it's absurd. He was 406 completions for with 559 attempts that's almost a 73 percent completion percentage uh 5500 yards that season a 9.9 average um 58 touchdowns to 12 interceptions i mean just I mean, that, that, that that's phenomenal. five to one touchdowns to interceptions in a yeah. in a pass happy offense and the thing about yeah. that is that coach you know everyone knew that they were going to pass on darn near every down and it didn't matter. He still completed 
73% of his, you know, 70%, you know, basically 70 and a half percent for his career over three seasons. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the evolution of the, the run and shoot. I mean, the run and shoot was kind of morphed into kind of, you know, that BYU uh, style of offense um, under Lavelle Edwards, uh, then the, the run and shoot with June Jones and uh, you know, that whole thing. And then, then you had the air raid. Those are kind of the, those are kind of the birth points of those pass happy attacks that really predicate on attacking space, not getting one-on-one matchups, but they're designed to take advantage of space. So like you have choice concepts that take advantage of space. You have different things that put guys uh, in a horizontal conflict or a vertical conflict. And you, you got different, I kind of, my time at Lebanon, I kind of dabbled a little bit with the run and shoot. There was a, there was a guy that I coached with that his dad is a college coach. Been in like Purdue, Houston, uh, Texas, you know, Kansas State, kind of been all over the country, um, mostly the Midwest. And and he uh, and he is a run and shoot guru. And so he he kind of taught it to me a little bit. So um, I kind of was like, well, this is some, some pretty, actually some pretty good stuff. And and so like, it, you know, it's no surprise. Like teams knew that they were doing, and Hawaii had a little bit of run game enough to like be a threat. But still, I mean, it's impressive at, at how much they threw and and uh, and how how often people would get open. But I will say this about the opioid opioid crisis. You know, I think with Colt Brennan being such an icon in co- in the world of college football, and how important college football is to this country, my hope now is that it's that next level of wake up call. Like, Oh, this college football star who got drafted in the NFL, unfortunately a car wreck kind of derailed his chances of catching on and making a career, albeit as a backup or third stringer, you can still have a really nice career doing that uh, in the NFL. And Colt Brennan certainly could have filled that role. I mean, think of the career that like Case Keenum has had, like there's no reason Colt Colt Brennan, Case Keenum, almost the the exact same player. Yeah. Like there's no reason that like Chase Daniel, who's, Made four, he's made like 50 something million as a backup. Yeah. Uh, with like over the span of like three contracts, three or four contracts. There's no reason Colt Brennan couldn't have done that. So the hope is that, you know, so far, like Joe Blow down the street, you know, dying of, you know, opioid overdose or things that are laced with fentanyl or what, however many different ways you can. Uh, you can, you can perish from, from opioids. It doesn't, it's not as impactful because like there's a whole segment of people that don't know who Joe Blow is with Colt Brennan is different. So I'm hoping like this kind of can be like, all right, we need to wake up because now some prominent people are starting to, or some more prominent people are starting to succumb to this. So what can we do to help this crisis? What, what's that wake up call? to help this crisis. And that's what we got to do as a country. And that's what we got to do as, as Americans is we got to figure that out. Um, we got a lot of stuff to figure out, but that's one. of them. <laughs> I think to tie a bow on this conversation, just, um, you know, we're approaching uh, we're a little over 20 years since June Jones was hired at Hawaii and just kind of looking back at his time at Hawaii and, and those two amazing quarterbacks, Timmy Chang, uh, who, played as a freshman in 2000, got banged up in 01, and then played uh, 2002, 3, and 4 straight through. 
he had wonderful stats and then Cole Brennan just um, built on that foundation Timmy Chang built. But um, just to do a, a very, very, very brief uh, Hawaii football history, um, they uh, they missed an entire season back in the 60s. And at one point, they dipped down to Division Two independent. Uh, they came back to uh, D1 back in 1977 under uh, Coach Dick Toomey, who uh, is for a lot more Arizona fame. He won a Fiesta Bowl uh, with Arizona. But uh, he did okay at Hawaii. He was 63 and 46 there. Um, He's respectable. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But then they joined the WAC, and he, he was okay in WAC, uh, never finished. Better than second, uh, so kind of a, a middling, middling performance. But what there. we have to say one thing about the whack: yeah. when you're Hawaii and have to fly to the mainland, yeah. six times a season, yeah. like yeah. it's far. Yeah, it's really freaking far away. Yeah. And what that travel is tough. Is, and yeah, and then they uh, after uh, after Toomey took the Arizona job. Um, Bob Wagner, who had been defensive coordinator, he was given the head coaching job. He did pretty well, 58 and 49, uh, won a holiday bowl in 92, but 93, 94, 95, uh, down seasons. And so he was let go after the 95 season and then Hawaii hit rock bottom. They hired, uh, Colorado's defensive line coach and former Stanford defensive coordinator, Fred Von Appen, and he proceeded to go five and thirty-one, mm. and they went zero and twelve, zero and eight in nineteen ninety-eight. And then when June Jones got there, nineteen ninety-nine, tied for first in the WAC, immediate turnaround. Um, Two thousand was his only uh, dismal season. They, they they took a step back, but then from zero one to zero seven. Above 500 every year, but one June Jones went 76 and 41 out at Hawaii, won two conference titles, uh, took them to six bowl games, winning four of them, finished ranked in the top 25 three times, um, turned things around. I mean, made made Hawaii formidable, and he did it uh, with. Tremendous contributions from Timmy Chang and the uh, gone too soon, unfortunately, Cole Brennan. Rest in peace. Yeah. That's really all I've got to say at this point. Um, so we're going to move on, gents, um, to the ga- two games we had this past weekend. We had a barn burner and a snoozer. So <laughs> let's start with the barn burner. Um yeah. Isn't it better to start with a snoozer? Okay. So you want to build anticipation? I suppose. Okay, let's start with the snoozer then. (laughs) Guys, I'm feeling better and better about my preseason prediction. I called South Dakota State winning the Natty this year. And they beat a Delaware team that we all really like. 33-3. to This game was not close. The second quarter, Jackrabbits come out. And, you know, it's 7-3 after the first quarter. Fine. You know, things are going, you know, it, it's a little back and forth, back and forth. Um, Delaware actually scores first. They score a field goal. 
then our Jackrabbits come back and score a touchdown. And then in the second quarter, three touchdowns. And it was just on Mark Gronowski, um, another efficient game, only only 162 yards passing. But uh, he got a little help from his tailback, Pierre Strong. Uh, a guy we have uh, we know to be one of the best tailbacks in all of FCS. He also chipped in a 24-yard touchdown pass uh, to Mr. Gronowski hmm. on a little trick uh, play. A, a little little trick play. So, you know, overall, I mean, this was just this was just dominant. This was just dominant. I mean, South Dakota State the offense was fine, but the defense was outstanding. Yes, Delaware was very what had a really high completion percentage. I mean, they completed poor average eighty five percent of their passes, but I mean, they weren't getting a whole ton of nickel yards. Nickel and diamond, yeah, yeah. nickel and diamond, nickel and diamond. They South Dakota State that has, might be generous. They might be penny and nickel in it. <laughs> penny and oh, Josh, I like that. I think we might have to use that going forward. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to definitely penny have to and nickel in. Um, they had. They had the quintessential Bambado break defense. They didn't break, man. And uh, Josh, I don't know what were your big thoughts from this one as the Purdue as the Boilermaker Express goes yeah. by my house. Yeah, I, I guess my big takeaway was uh, I, I was kind of the first to uh, kind of climb aboard this Delaware bandwagon. But I always said I thought they were the type of team that could win a few games, make a little bit of a run. I just did not think that they were as complete as some of the legitimate title contenders. And we saw that when they bumped up against the Jackrabbits. The big thing that I noticed, Matt, you mentioned the defense that South Dakota State played. They just absolutely stymied everything Delaware was trying to do whenever they called a run play. Delaware, let's let's give them credit. They didn't shy away from running it. They had 45 rushing attempts for 68 yards. Yeah. Then that's the second (laughs) half of the story. So, um, yeah, I mean, South Dakota, I think South Dakota just honestly has gotten better each game of this tournament. They're hitting the title game, playing the best football they've played all year. Uh, They were the one seed for a reason. They're the most tested from their conference. Uh, They've had a pretty good path here to the tournament or to through the playoffs. So uh, they will be, they will be so tough. You know, if, if Sam Houston state beats them, Sam Houston, my God, they will have earned it because they've had an absolutely murderous row that they've had to go through. I, I don't know if Sam Houston has enough in the tank for this Jackrabbit team. Yeah. And coach, I mean, we saw, we saw a lot of, different elements from this South Dakota state team. We saw big plays in special teams. My guy, Jackson Janke, uh, the wide receiver, huge, huge punt return, 55 yarder to set up a touchdown there in the second quarter. We saw just really efficient playmaking and just, you know, they weren't, I mean, also, also, this is a really clean game. Zero penalties from South Dakota, only two from Delaware. And yeah. you know, you 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 just you got to be impressed with the fact that Delaware had the ball for 37 minutes, 
but only had 216 total yards. That tells me that South Dakota State's defense not only is good, but is resilient and Mm -hmm. is not going to shy away from a fight, man. Like they are out there and they are out there to play. When typically when you have, when you are minus 14 minutes in time possession, that's not a good thing. And that was just completely flipped on its head here, coach. Yeah. When the defense chips in with 12 tackles for loss, seven sacks, which is actually tied to a playoff record, most in the game this season, um, that goes a long way. And they did it in, in situations where, you know, Delaware had chances to gain some momentum. So, like, they got into big situations. Um, 45 times, 68 yards, not a great day at the, at, at the ballpark for the Blue Hens rushing the ball. Um, something that they do uh, to set up the passing game through their whole game plan off. But, I mean, San, San Diego State. I see SDSU, and I immediately think San Diego State. Uh, uh, the, the Jackrabbits are just defensively just watching them play is is so much fun because they fly around, they have fun, they hit, they're physical. Um, and and, and the, the world of college football is you're going to give up some big plays. You're going to give up, you know, time of possession – sometimes can be overrated in this case it was uh sometimes it, it, it's a meaningful stat but those those big plays those big negative plays are what kept the the jackrabbits not only in this game but kept them in on, on the dominating side of it and then of course offensively uh impressive with the creative ways that they were able to score um <clears throat> chunk place chunk place chunk place wait here um, take a drink yep take a drink Chunk plays, uh, but no, if, like a you know you score on a 35, 30 yard pass, you get a trick play with Pierre Strong throwing a pass to Gronowski. Um, you, you know you, you bang one in from from three yards out. Uh, you, you get a fourteen yard pass there from uh, from Gronowski to Coons. Uh, and then you get a couple field goals in, in in the second half when you're kind of just cruising cruising along. I mean, it's a pretty good day at the yard for Gronowski. I mean, they <clears throat> efficient on offense. Did what they had to do, made big plays, ran the ball, controlled the line of scrimmage, and took advantage of uh, situational football. And that that's kind of what impressed me the most. Well, let's move on then to what was not just one of the best games of the spring. One of the best games of the entire season, fall and spring combined. This game had me like just locked in my seat. I was riveted, disgusted, amazed, and just altogether like I, I just I couldn't leave the couch watching Sam Houston and James Madison. Coach, this 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 was a Ooh. a game for for the ages back and forth James Madison runs out to a huge lead in the first half 24 unanswered in the second quarter Sam Houston State comes running back in the second half great special teams play I know I sent you guys I texted you guys because I mean at the same time you were watching the pun return touchdown for Mm. Sam Houston State by um, by Ezard, uh, Jaquez Ezard, the 80 yarder from coach, you're not the woods, college park, Georgia. Um, That's right. 
it was I mean that that was one of the better punt returns I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And just every everything in this game just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We all thought, I think, coming into this one, that James Madison was gonna win. Sam yeah. Houston State, though, coach, proved to me that they deserved to be that the the two seed here. And yeah. even though it was a bit wonky, you know what? I I'm not entirely sure if the if the right team won the game, but they des they deserve to based on you know based on the combination of they were more sound in all three phases. Yeah, I mean, I think the way this game played out, you really could have said that about either team. I mean, had had James mm -hmm. Madison pulled it out, you could have said, you know, Sam Houston easily deserved to win that game uh, based on how they came back. So um, that part of it is, you know, honestly, both teams played a tremendous game. Uh, special teams is, is a difference. I mean, we say that all the time, right? That's why we, that's why we coined the term uh, third phase, most important phase. Right. And, you know, Sam Houston state made a huge play in, in special teams. And those things can be momentum killers and, and, and at the same time be momentum grabbers uh, for the team on, on, on the correct end of those, of those big plays. And so, well, well they recovered the fumble too. Or, I mean, that was the big thing after the punt return yeah. touchdown, you know, they, they, they kick it off. That, yeah. They kick it off. Yeah. 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 That's, that's part of that 28. Down. That's part of that 28 unanswered they had there in the third yeah. quarter. That, that's then, called take it. That's called, being opportunistic, that's called the wheels then, falling off for James Madison. Yep. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it gets pretty tricky there when, when, you, when you start dealing with momentum. Yeah, I mean, uh, both teams had two turnovers, but the the Dukes turnovers, backbreakers, you know, coming off of a momentum swinging punt return for a touchdown to make it 27-24, ensuing kickoff, they fumble it, give it right back to Sam Houston. Then it's 31-27. Houston, Sam Houston kicks off. Very next play. Interception. Sets up a, a five-yard, five-play drive, 30 yards. That's all they had to go. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are just two, two deadly turnovers that they had. I mean, backbreakers. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, uh, you know, and, and for, for Sam Houston State, they, they showed why they deserve to be a number two seed. They're, they're explosive. I mean, that's that's the team that we knew that they were capable of being. They hadn't always been that team. They were a little bit inconsistent. That's what was kind of scared me about Sam Houston State. But Well, what scared were, me was their conference. It's one thing to put up 70 against, like, Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, too. They, they, proved, they proved that they can do it. They proved that they can be an explosive, explosive group. And so I was, uh, you know, I, I was in, I was impressed. Needless to say, I think this is going to be a very fun uh, finals uh, with, with Sam Houston. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be good. Well, gents, let's talk about this final. Actually, before we talk about this final, do you guys do you want to take a quick minute for something? I mean, I'm 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 always game to take a minute, especially if it's a main minute. It is a main minute. 
Matt, have you been to the Lewiston Auburn Metropolitan Statistical Area? I have. Have you been within this metropolitan statistical area? Mechanic Falls, Maine? I mean, I've driven through it. Well, Mechanic I, I, Falls... I, I, I'm, fam- I'm familiar with Mechanic Falls. It's between Lewiston and Oxford. Oh. Well, they got some interesting stuff. This is a quaint little hamlet, about 3,000 people. I love Lives calling there? small towns hamlets. I think that's huh? so quaint. In, that, that's quite <laughs> New England of you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. So, it, uh, you know, 3,000 people living there. Some really interesting history. Uh, we're going to jump all the way to 1850. I mean, what? what, what <laughs> 1850? I mean, I'm sure yeah, it's been first, around for 150 years before that, but go on. It was, but that's when their first paper mill was established. And kind of that's the uh, uh, kind of end point of this mini industrial revolution. So many. Going of, by on. the way, mill towns, New England. New England is built upon the backs <laughs> of mill towns. Uh, Mechanic Falls, oh. if it's, I, I believe, is either on the Androscoggin River or one of the it tributaries yep. to the Androscoggin River. It's on the River. Little Androscoggin River. The Little Androscoggin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, one of the tributaries to the, the yeah. Androscoggin. Yeah. So uh, anyway, yeah, they were they're kind of like a little industrial town there for a while. And then in 1850, first paper mill, that brought more industrial stuff. And in 1873... The Evans Rifle Manufacturing Company got started here in Mechanic Falls. They, they could have oh, used those about yeah. uh, <laughs> about 10 years earlier, am I right? Well, they were early manufacturers of the repeating rifle. Oh. According to legend, Kit Carson and Buffalo Bill both used Evans rifles. That's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Uh, some other notable folks from uh, Mechanic Falls. Two people. First one, Freeland Oscar Stanley. You know what he did? Um, I don't, but Oscar and Stanley are both employees at Dunder Mifflin Payford Company. (laughs) They are. Well, he he was a builder of the Stanley Hotel. I think I see the Stanley Cub. I mean, that's kind of cool. He built he built a hotel that's out in Colorado that's on the U.S. Registry of Historic Places. But he's also the inventor of the Stanley Steamer. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. How about that? The other other gentleman from Mechanic Falls, Frank Haven Hall. He was the inventor of the Hall Braille Writer and other Braille printing devices. Oh, okay. There we go. What do you know? Mechanic Falls. Yeah. Mechanic Falls. Pleasant, pleasant little community there. Yeah. In, uh, in, 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 I don't know if you quite, call, I think, I mean, I don't know if you quite call that central Maine. I think of like Waterville is more central Maine, but you know, it's a, it's a very, very pleasant area over there. Um, you know, in between Lewiston, Oxford, you know, a little bit north of Sebago Lake. Great places, great places oh. there over in Maine, Josh. Thank you for taking us over to the minute. Right, that's our main minute for this it week. Is our main minute? Well, gents, it's finally here—the culmination of the spring season. The committee got it right. Number one and number two are going to be facing off in Frisco this weekend. Mm-hmm. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. Sam Houston State's. 
The Bearcats with a K. Guys, I mean, we, we've been building up to this now for two mo- more than two, three months now. I mean, we started talking about this season in February. This is wild. This has been great. I'm actually a little sad to see the spring season end. But, you know, every, all good things must come to a close at some point. Gents, obviously you guys know I'm I'm riding the Jackrabbits all the way. I've been riding the Jackrabbits since we started doing the preview show, like the first week of February. But, Josh... Give me the argument or for Sam Houston or what what can Sam Houston do in order to bring this title home and win it in their home state of Texas? Well, the big thing for Sam Houston is they are a explosive, explosive team. Uh, the Jackrabbits can score as well, but generally the Jackrabbits... Um, you know, you're kind of thinking their max output is maybe 30s, 40s, if everything is clicking. For Sam Houston, we know what their max output is if everything's clicking. I mean, even taking out the 70 and 60 point game, they're throwing up 40 spots in games. They just dropped 38 on James Madison. The, The Sam Houston ceiling for point title is higher when everything is clicking so if they're getting those big plays they're getting the hashtag chunk plays uh they are rolling 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 with their offense um they can win their offense is that explosive if their special teams continues to play at this insane a level they can get an edge there What they need to do, though, I think really to stand any sort of chance in this game is the comeback against James Madison, to me, feels a little fluky. If they are down 21 points at halftime. Forget it. Yeah, it's lights out. Not not against. Yeah. To be fair, though. Yeah. To be fair, if we had said that about Oh, you're down 21 points, James Madison at halftime. Forget it. We would have said that a week ago. I know, but the it, it's fluky. You're not you're not gonna get uh punt return but, touchdown. It, 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 you're not gonna get touchdown, punt return touchdown, interception, 30 yard drive touchdown. That's that's like a once in I'm not even gonna say a season, I'm gonna say a decade. That's like a once in a decade swing of points that you get it just doesn't happen so um yeah I, I think that i think the first quarter of this game is really monumental for sam houston they need to either win the first quarter or at worst match whatever the jackrabbits do because the jackrabbits defense i trust The Sam Houston, how do they do against the best team in the best conference? I I don't know. Um, I know that the parameters are totally different in terms of playing styles and and all this stuff. But just in terms of like matchup scenarios, 
what this feels a little bit like is when Baylor played Michigan State in a Cotton Bowl a few years ago, and Michigan State had their outstanding defense, mm-hmm. and we're like, Baylor needs to score, 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 score. And the problem is Baylor didn't quite score, 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 score. And ultimately, the better defensive team managed to pull the game out. Uh, That's what it reminds me a little bit. The Missouri Valley is kind of like the Big Ten that year. Michigan State was great. Iowa was good that year. Wisconsin was really good. Ohio State, that was a juggernaut. And the Big 12 that year, we all kind of were like, Mm, yeah, Baylor's good, and what's anyone else doing? That kind of feels like the Southland this year. So, yeah. you know, um, North Dakota, call. or excuse me, South Dakota that, that, State. That's actually, that, that is an amazing analogy. Thank you. Well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you. South Dakota State's the more battle-tested team. They have the defense I trust more. They have an offense that, although not as explosive, feels more consistent, more bankable, so Sam Houston, they need to score early. They need to score often. They need to have their explosive offense from the first series. No dawdling, no waiting for a third quarter miracle. They need it right out of the gate. Coach. Where do I see this one? Now, Sam Houston State, they cannot – Cannot get down like they did against James Madison again. Um, they came back once. I don't think they can come back again. And I think it's going to be, you know, this is going to be interesting because Gronowski's on fire, right? And watching them play, they have a true balance. I, I think that South Dakota State does a great job of distributing the ball where it needs to go. They have a they have a knack for making hashtag chunk plays. Take a sip, and they have they're just they're just extremely efficient in what they do offensively. They're 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 hellacious on defense. I I think that this will be easily and, and judging by the seed. I know you're going to say, yeah, no kidding, but this will easily be the most explosive defense that they've faced all season uh, for Sam Houston State. They will have trouble blocking San Diego State. San Diego State, San Diego State. Look at me. I can't. I can't help myself. No. Hashtag they, Aztecs. Hashtag. Yeah, the Aztecs are going to win the FCS national championship, right? <laughs> um, all you San Diego State fans out there. Um, it's news you, to Rocky Long. Yeah, I bet you didn't know. He's like. He's like. I re, he's like. I retired. <laughs> yeah. Now we're winning um, a natty. What? Yeah, well, then he yeah. didn't he go on staff with one of his former assistants at like New Mexico State. In New Mexico? Uh, yeah, he might have. Some, I'm gonna some, I, I'm gonna look that up while 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 Coach keeps talking. I, I already looked. Yes, it no, up. he is the defensive coordinator at New Mexico now. Lobos. Okay, but no, South Dakota State. Uh, they're gonna get a few sacks. They're gonna be op- opportunistic. What Sam Houston State has to do the key for them is to put a lot of pressure on South Dakota State's defense by being explosive, by scoring in bunches, hitting those hashtag chunk plays, take another sip, and really kind of 
dictating the pace of the game. If Sam, if Sam Houston can turn this thing into a track meet, I think that's going to be a little bit troublesome for for South Dakota State. If the Jackrabbits can kind of calm the game down, not necessarily turn it into a track meet, but also you know if they can if they can maintain their balance that they've they've had all season long, you know I, I think South Dakota State will come away victorious in this game. Um, but if you're asking me who my pick is, <clears throat> I'm going to go with the team with the better defense, the team coming from the better conference. I'm going to take the Jackrabbits here um, as the number one seed. They're going to show the world why they are the number one seed. All right, guys. Can, can, I, can, I, can I run something by you? I'm just kind of curious how you guys Hit feel it. about this. Um, so I, I'm trying to think of teams that have had just absolutely absurd runs and i didn't have a chance to go through the history of fcs football i i just kind of looked at a couple playoffs most recently um i want to throw the 2016 james madison team out there um so they entered the playoffs as the five seed they're taking on 22 ranked new hampshire in their first playoff game beat them then they have to take on the number one team in the country, Sam Houston State, uh, a game, by the way, that went 65-7 for the Dukes. And then they took on North Dakota State, oh. right, in the early days of North Dakota State's juggernaut, beat them, and then they took on a uh, 13th-ranked Youngstown State team that caught fire that year in the playoffs. So they, they took on... Is that a Bo Pelini team? Uh, yeah, it was. They yeah, took was, so they I took thought. on the number one ranked team and the dynasty, the Bison, that year. Also in the regular season, they had to play two other top ten teams. So um, I got that one, and then I got Sam Houston. Sam Houston took on number ten Monmouth, number six Nodak State, number one James Madison. These are the AP rankings, not the uh, not the seeds, not the seed. And then number two, South Dakota State. I think if I think if Sam Houston pulls this off, this is going to dethrone that 2016 James Madison team. Yeah, I think that's I mean, a that, more impressive. I, I can't think of one a, a more impressive one. That that would be phenomenal. I mean, you'd beat James Madison and, and South Dakota State are the two teams that we thought were the two best teams coming in. And the, and the Bison, State, the, the dynasty. Which are the dynasty. And then Monmouth, Monmouth, I, which we all thought was an really outstanding good. team. An outstanding team uh, coming out of the Big South. I mean, um, that, that, that would be something. Our friends over at Bet Online have South Dakota State as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And the over-under set at 45-and-a-half on the game. Guys, I've been riding. I'm gonna call it the Jack Wagon, mm. the, ja- the Jack Rabbit Bandwagon. I'm just calling it the Jack Wagon. I've been riding the Jack Wagon since day one, and I have not wavered all spring. I have no reason to waver now. Give me the Jack Rabbits and the under Jack mm. Rabbits twenty eight seventeen. Who? I think that's low. I think that's low score. And I think Sam Houston will find a way to get their points. Unfortunately, it's going to be around about 21 to 24. I think mm-hmm. 
I think South Dakota State will also find a way to get their points. So I, I'll take the over personally. For me, the difference, there's two differences. I hate to say it, but just, you know, South Dakota State went through a murderer's row in the regular season. They've gone through one of the toughest yeah. schedules in all of FCS. Yeah. They survived. They got here. And sure, you know, did it look pretty against Southern Illinois? No, but Southern Illinois is a really good team. And that's a conference game, man. Yeah. And that's a conference game. In their two other playoff games this year, not counting the Southern Illinois game, who's from the Missouri Valley, but against Holy Cross and Delaware, a combined 64 to 6. They've been just hammering these teams. Sam Houston played in a weaker conference. Sam Houston very well could have lost to Monmouth, maybe even should have. They eked by a wounded duck of North Dakota State that was playing a true freshman quarterback. And then they needed the From miracle Solon, of Iowa. Yeah, they needed a miracle of miracles against James Madison. Maybe the football gods are on their side. And it's their year. They're finally going to get that elusive national title. But this South Dakota State team, just top to bottom, on paper, better defense, on paper, a more reliable offense. Maybe not as explosive, but you know you're getting yards and points. Sam Houston will have random games where it's like, eh, they're kind of stuck in neutral. So they are... The much better team. I'm going to take South Dakota State. Having said that, I do think Sam Houston is a really, really good team. I'm glad they put this run together. It's been a credit to these players and staff. I think they keep the title game close. I'm not expecting a blowout by any means, uh, but I do have the Jackrabbits winning it. Coach, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Josh. I mean. The better defense on paper, the more explosive defense, the more balanced offense. I think South Dakota State has a lot going in their favor, and I think they do a lot of things really well. Where Sam Houston maybe has an advantage is the special teams game, especially in the return game. And the fact that they just beat who I thought after last after the previous week was the best team in all of FCS. Like, I thought we were on a crash course for James Madison versus South Dakota State. Obviously, we're not. Um, but, you know, I just think that there's some holes in Sam Houston State. They didn't start great against James Madison. I'm afraid that if they do that against South Dakota State, that they won't be so fortunate to be able to overcome that deficit like they did a week ago. So, to me, and what's the over-under set at? Uh, 47 and a half. So for me, I'm going to take South Dakota State. I'm going to take the over, not by much. I think there's, I think Sam Houston's going to score their fair share of points. Um, I, I think South Dakota State's going to, going to also score their fair share of points. I, I, I see this kind of being like a 30 something to 20 something game. All right. Gents. And that's going to do it for us here this this evening. Unless you, uh, you got anything else to add, Josh? 
Uh, weirdly, I don't. I've been I've been trying to research if the uh, celebration bowl is going to get in under the wire, and uh, I'm I'm not seeing not anything looking with good. that. So not looking good. Uh, unfortunately, um, on top of that, Arkansas Pine Bluff lost the last time they played. So little burying the lead there, but uh, but no major burying of Arkansas related stories. All right, coach, you got anything to add? No, Josh, you are. <laughs> oh man, double sneeze right there. Woo, <laughs> Josh, you're our main man. <laughs> there we go. Pun intended for that one. All Pun right, fully intended. Well, that's gonna do it for us then. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, currently in Buford, Georgia, we're gonna be right. back here in the Music City. Corey Burton and our travel blogger from Big Ten Counting, Josh Cook, up there in the Windy City. This is the Professor Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.